0: We're eleven. We're eleven uh, uh, sermons into this. Eleven, eleven sermons into this, and we're in chapter seven. Chapter seven, and if you want to uh, kind of roll over there, but I want to start out in Exodus twenty. Has anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Okay, nobody's heard of them. I'll read them off to you. How about that? All right. So the Ten Commandments is in Exodus twenty, and if you remember the the the. Israelites had come out of the bondage of being under the Egyptians and they they didn't really know how to live they didn't know how to act I mean I don't even know if they knew how to brush their teeth uh you know uh of course they ate lots of onions you know so they they needed to brush their teeth back then you know that's what I tell my mom go brush your teeth you just ate some onions my mom loves onions my wife taught me not to love them so I don't eat them not much at least but he goes and some of the things he said, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to go through all of Exodus 20, but you can write that down. You can look at it later. He says, not to take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. He says not to murder, not to commit adultery. You shall not steal. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't covet and many other things there. So that's, that's, that's Exodus chapter 20. So God, God gave what we call... The law in Exodus chapter 20. And I put all of that in there. So I got to flip through it there. God gave us the law. And in chapter 70. As as we're going through Romans. If you remember God. uh, God sent Jesus to this earth. So that we could live a great life in God's riches but god's riches came at the expense of jesus and so romans is really all about that because paul is talking to so many people he's talking to to people who don't know the law and aren't living in the law he's talking to people who are living in the law he he's talking to all these different people so i don't want you ever to to read anywhere in the scripture say well this doesn't mean anything to me oh it means something to you means something you need to ask the lord what does it mean uh, you know, and sometimes it's difficult. You read some of those books like Leviticus and you're like, God, God, what in the world? What does this mean to me? But there are great things in there. It's all meant for us. So let's, uh, this is going to be, we're going to get through chapter 7. Here's my expectation, but chapter seven's a little bit difficult because you, you, you have some back and forth and if you read it wrong, you can get a little bit confused. So let's start at uh, Romans 7, verses 1 through 6. Do you not know, brothers, for I speak, to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding her husband. So then she will be called an adulteress if she marries another man while her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law so that she ...would not be an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ... ...so that you may be married to another. To him who has been raised from the dead... ...so that we may bear fr- fruit for God. When we were in the flesh, the passions of sin through the law... ...worked in our members to bear fruit, leading to death. But now we are delivered from the law, having died to things in which we were bound... ...so that we may serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness... Of the letter of the law, many people will read this part of Scripture and, and think that this is this is something about about marriage. But this is not. This is just an, it's, he's just using an example here to make a point. When Jesus died, when Jesus came and he died, it's like in, in the law, a woman is still. Uh, Married to her husband are still a part of that of that union until the husband dies or the woman dies you know the woman really had no way out in the scriptures there was no way for a woman to divorce it was always the man the woman couldn't divorce her husband only the man the woman didn't have any rights women you didn't have any rights back then so you better be glad you in a today they didn't have any rights so they couldn't even get out so it's really interesting that that Paul uses a woman in this this respect as the example. The woman to get out of this has to have her husband die. Otherwise, she's an adulteress. You are in sin whether you like it or not. The scripture says, remember, that every one of us have sinned. Every one of us falls short of God's glorious standards. We cannot... In any right, say that we haven't sinned. You were born that way. You know, some people say, well, I was just born that way. Well, maybe true. You were born into sin. You were born into sin. You are a sinner. The scripture says, if you say that you have no sin, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. And so you have no way out of that sin. You are tied to sin. There's no way to get out of it. You're already, you're, you're tied to it. You're like this woman he's referring to here. You're tied to the sin. But Jesus, he came and he died. And Jesus is representative of the husband who died, and the woman is now out. Jesus took sin on him. He took everything that you and I deserve on himself. Everything. Jesus did nothing wrong. How many of you have ever sat around and you're like, you're sitting there and you're pouting to God, going, God, why is this gonna happen to me? Jesus <laughs> is not there. And you know, you think about Jesus, Jesus could have said, God, this is not fair. Why is this going to happen to me? But he said, Lord, even though I want this cup to pass, not my will, but let yours be done. It wasn't fair for Jesus to have to die for your sins. It wasn't fair for him to have to die for my sins. You know, there's a song, Amazing Grace, right? It says, that saved a wretch like me. And I think in the American church today, we have got so far away from that. To save a wretch, what is a wretch? Somebody who is worthless, who is nasty, who is dirty, who has nothing, who has nothing to offer. But amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I'm a wretch, you're a wretch. But he died, and when he died, and he was raised back up, no longer do you have to be bound by sin. Because if he is yours, if he is yours, no longer are you bound. Because he took it all on him. See, this the scripture refers to the church as the bride of Christ. The scriptures say that one day there is going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a great time that we're going to be able to get together. We're going to get to have a great time. We can eat all we want to and not gain weight, you know. We could drink all of the Dr. Pepper we want and not worry about it, or sweet tea, or whatever you drink, and not worry about it. We just, we're going to have a great time because of what he did on the cross. He, he saved us by dying for us, and he, he took that on him. That's what he said in verse uh, 7 there. He says, so that we may serve in, the, in newness of spirit and not in the letter of the law. Whether you like it or not, you cannot keep the law. Try all you want to. you can't keep the law. It's, it's impossible. It is impossible. Verse seven says, "What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, but I did not know but I did not know sin except through the law. So don't say, "Oh, okay, fine. then, then the law, the Ten Commandments and what was given is sin. No, it's not sin. What does he say here? He says, I would not know sin except through the law. You would not know that you were dying and going to hell if you didn't have the law. You wouldn't know what was wrong with you. Have you, ever, have you ever told your child, don't touch that? that stove, right? Don't touch that. Why not? Because it's hot, it'll burn you. You gave them a reason now, right? You need to say don't touch that because eventually when you're not around, they may reach out and touch that. She said, no, it's going to burn you. That's just the facts. The law shows us that right there. Don't do that. Why? Because it's going to burn you. <laughs> you know, you're going to burn in hell. It's going to burn you. That's, the law shows that to us. He said, I would not known coveting if the law has not, had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of coveting. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was intended for life proved to be death in me. For sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and killed me through it. So then, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, just and good. Therefore, has that which is good become death unto me, God forbid... Rather, sin that it might be shown to be sin was working death in me through that which is good so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. You're just going, I don't understand. You just read a bunch of stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because it's a difficult chapter to read. So what we need to do is, is put ourselves in Paul's shoe. Paul was amazing. He may have been one of the most intelligent men that has ever walked the face of the earth the languages he knew, the scripture he knew, when you read what he has written, he's written like what, 14 books of the New Testament? That's right. But we believe Hebrews was written by him. All these books, making up a majority, he's the majority writer of the New Testament. And his, his writings are so precise. There is, there is, they're so precise Never look at something throw it away. Never look at something say, Paul didn't know what he was talking about. No, Paul knew what he was talking about. Paul was appointed. He was anointed by God to write this stuff. So as we look through there, have you ever said, why in the world am I drawn to do this over here? How about your child? How about you that have small children now or used to have small children? Think about when they were kids. Did you have to teach your kids how to do bad things? No. They did it on their own. You didn't have to teach your kids, hey, I'll tell you what, go kick your brother. (laughs) You know? Go bite your sister in the head. Take that baseball bat and knock him in the knee. No, no, no. They do that on their own. They do that on their own. What did you have to do? You had to teach them what was good. You had to teach them what was right. When we when the law comes in into focus here, and let me say something. And we hit on this a lot. Don't do away with the law, but don't come under the law. A lot of people get into this law thing, and they get into the they get into all the Jewish stuff, and then all of a sudden they want to put themselves back under the law. Amen. You cannot, the law is too heavy. You cannot bear that burden. You cannot bear that load. You cannot be good enough. Have you made a mistake this last week? Then then you broke the law. Okay? Have you sinned? Have you said something you weren't supposed to? Then you broke the law. And it's sitting here under you like this and you're trying to walk out. I, I can do it. I can do it. No, you can't. It's impossible. That's what grace is for. So Paul's not sitting here saying, no, no, no. The law made me sin. The law didn't make, you, he, make him sin. It showed him where the sin was. It shows him. The law amplifies in you. It will amplify the things that you're, that you're struggling with. It's just part of it. It amplifies. The law is like a mirror. Have you ever, you ever looked in the mirror? The law is like a mirror. So you look at that and you go, oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> right? Oh, man. You don't look at the mirror and go, boy, that's an ugly mirror. <laughs> You go, no, I, no, I, need, to, I, need, I need to go take, take a shower. I need to brush my hair. I need to put makeup on. If you're a woman, not a man, I'm sorry. You know, that's what the mirror is there for. The, laws, the law, you can't throw the law away. The law is there to help you understand where you need to get better. It helps you to understand that adultery is wrong. It helps you to understand that lying and stealing is wrong. And here, it helps you understand this. Jesus dealt with this, right? We go, oh, yeah, well, I haven't committed murder. Oh, do you hate your brother? You know, be careful. Be careful. Don't say, well, I I kept all these commandments. Jesus says, no, you need to look deeper into the heart. Just because you didn't physically do it on the outside, have you lusted after a woman? It's the same, same as committing adultery, he says. So don't be going over and judging somebody else and looking at them going, oh, see what they did? See what they did over there? No, don't do that. Understand that you are going... Uh, you you are just as sinful as they are. It's the heart that God looks on, not the outward that God looks on. Romans 7, chapter 4, verse 14, it says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand, for I do not practice what I will to do but I do the very thing I hate. Does that ever seem like it goes on in you? You're like, man, I'm trying so hard to do this over here, but I'm doing the opposite. Amen. I'm trying so hard to live right, but I'm just not living right. Paul's dealing with the same thing. Here's a guy who's is this close to Jesus, and he's struggling just like you and I struggle, just like your neighbor's struggling. Everybody in here's struggling in some area and working out, the, the Scripture says, working out your salvation. But if I practice what I do not, Will to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. There's, that sin that's inside of you, wants you, That those, those things that are inside of you want to come out. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For the will to do what is right is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find for the good I desire to do I do not do, but the evil I do not uh, do not want is what I do. So he's like, man, he's going back and forth here. He's all over the place. He's saying, but I do this, but I don't do this, but I do this, but I don't. You're going, you, you you've went through that, right? I know I've went through it. But ha- let me tell you something. There's a good thing that comes at the end of this 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 chapter. So you say I struggle now. I do what I. Do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that lives in me. I find then a law that when I desire to do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God according to the inner man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity into the law of sin, which is in any members. Here it is. O wretched. What do we say? O wretch. What does the song say? I'm a wretch. Saved a wretch. O wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? You live in a carnal body, okay? That's all there is to it. Your body one day when you die is going to turn to dust. It's, it's messed up. It's under the curse. That's why we die. We don't, we don't die for any other reason. You think you die just because you eat wrong? No, you die because you're under a curse. You just may die sooner if you don't eat right, okay? That's just all there is to it. You die because you have been cursed from from the get-go. When Adam sinned, you had to come under that curse because you are his descendants. Every one of us are brothers and sisters, whether we like it or not. But he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with my mind I serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. So the bottom line is, to finish this chapter out, the bottom line is, how do you how do you live it right how do you get it by how do you get through when you struggle with those those sinful thoughts when you struggle with those things christ that's what he says he comes back there he says so uh, he says i thank god through jesus christ how do i do it through jesus christ our lord Grab a hold of Jesus. You're struggling with something. Grab a hold of Jesus and hang on tight. Sometimes it can be difficult. There was a woman who had an issue of blood for many years. And she says, if I can just get to Jesus and touch him, I'll be healed. And so she crawls through this crowd. Who knows? She was probably getting kicked, probably getting pushed around. Remember, women didn't have any, any rights back then. She's in a crowd. She's got this issue of blood. She's crawling through the... T- I mean, anybody has an issue of blood, you, you probably don't look the greatest. You probably got some other health issues going on. But she says, if I can just get a hold of Jesus, if I could just get over there, and I could just touch, if I could just touch him, that's all I need. And sometimes that's what you've got to say to yourself. Man, I'm going through a rough time right now, and I'm dealing with some... I'm having some temptation. What does the Scripture say? What does it say? Lead us... the. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And so you, sometimes you just got to crawl through there. And all that's bombarding you and coming at you, right? All that feelings of, oh, I, I want to do this. I, no, I don't need to. Crawl through that crowded minefield and say, if I can just grab a hold of Jesus. If I can just get a hold of Jesus, he will help me. He, I'll get through this because Paul said, the way I get through this is with Jesus Christ and only him can you do it. You cannot stair-step your way to heaven. You can't read the Bible enough. You can't do any of that stuff. You know what? You could go to a 12-step program. I don't know what the recidivism rate, but it's not very good. Even in a great program like Teen Challenge, There's still people who step away, and they got to memorize over 200 scriptures before they get out of the program, and it's an 18 or 20 month program—I can't remember, something like that. But they got to memorize all these scriptures, and they have a lower recidivism rate than than most the than most other drug rehabilitation programs. But there's still people to do why? Because you got to hold on. But why do they have a lower recidivism rate? It's because they've been taught to go after Jesus, to grab a, oh, you're having a, you, you need that fix? You need that high? Grab a hold of Jesus. What does the scripture say? First John nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did he say you're faithful? Did he say your friend is faithful? Did he say your pastor is faithful? No, he says he. Who is he? He is Jesus Christ. He is faithful. And you go, you maybe you're in here and you know this. That's great. I hope you get excited. Or maybe you don't know this. And I just want you to know that he is faithful. Yes, He is, he is faithful. I've told you before, I, I've grown up in church. The Sunday after I was born, my mom had me dedicated. So I've been in church all my life. That has nothing to do with me getting to heaven. It's a big whopping zero. If I got to heaven and go, oh, God, man, I went to church all my life. <laughs> Could you see if my name's in the book? And he's going to be like, uh, there's zero names in the book under your name here. I'm sorry. It's blank. <laughs> but God, I, I, I went to church all my life. I sung on the praise team. You know, I, I, I prayed for people. We've talked about this before. What does the scripture say? I've done miracles in your name. I prophesied your name. I've done all these things. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you because no matter what you do no matter how good you are and you go but but pastor i struggle there's some th- there's some areas i'm struggling in his grace is sufficient yes his grace yes. is sufficient yes sir. so stop struggling in that sin struggle through it to jesus don't struggle in it struggle through it to jesus and hold on tight he says that he that there is no temptation there's no temptation that is common to man that he has not made a way of escape and if you are dealing with something he's made a way of escape men if you're dealing with something come talk to me i'll help you i'll 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 crawl through it with you to jesus too and we'll both grab a hold of jesus women if you're dealing with somebody find somebody in this church find christy find connie Find find my mom. Find somebody in this church. Find another woman and say, can you help me? i got to get a hold of Jesus. And they'll help drag you over there, okay? And they'll help you get there. Why? What did I say? We started this church. I say it all the time. We have have started this church to be a safe place for people to connect to God. It's a safe place. Oh, I'm going through some things. I don't want to tell anybody about it. No, that's the wrong thing to do. You try to do some of this stuff on your own, that's the wrong thing to do. You need to find somebody and say, hey, help me out if you don't trust anybody but me or my wife to start out with, that's fine. Come trust us. We're not going to tell other people your business. We're here to help you. We're, help, we're here to help you get through it. You go, but I've been doing this. I've been going through this for 12 years. I've been going through this. for. Well, you know, the woman, she had been going through it for 12 years when she went to Jesus. And she says, I just got to get to him. I just got to touch him. I just got to touch him. I just got to touch him. And that's what you need to do. That's what we're here about. We're not here to make you just feel good, okay? Jesus makes you feel good. Because when everything else is going wrong, Jesus is the one who makes it feel right. When everything else looks, looks the wrong way, it is his will that you're walking in. Remember the, 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 the poem where the, about the uh, walking in the sand, where there were two footsteps in the sand, there was one footstep in the sand, and he, at the end of it he says, God, why weren't you there with me? Look, it was empty. And he says, no, during those roughest times, I was carrying you. You have children, Probably just about everybody in here has a child. There's a time that your child hurt their knee or their leg or, or they, they got another booby on them or something, boobie on them or something, and you pick them up and you're like, here, here you go. And if they look back, they would have just saw one, even though maybe they were in a lot of pain, but you were holding them. And it's the same way with Jesus. You're his child. If you've given your life to the Lord, you're his child. And when you look back and you see that one step of footprint, you go, oh, no, he was holding me. Yeah, I was hurting during that time, but he was holding me. And some of you have went through some really bad hurt and pain. Some of you have been torn to pieces inside. And on the outside, everything looks great. Everything looks good. But on the inside, you hurt so badly. But that's what Jesus is there for. The easy way to go is to say, you know what? I want the pleasure of inside of me i want to feel good inside of me so i'm going to turn to this thing in the world i'm going to turn to this sin or that sin or this other sin but instead that doesn't give you any kind of everlasting joy it doesn't give you fullness of joy right what we were saying about this morning fullness of joy it doesn't give you that it's him his presence in your life seeping into you that's where you get the joy that's where you get the joy. And the only way you can have that is by what? Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ gave it up for you, He did it for you. You get all the riches that God has because of Christ. Because of Christ. Think about it you, you're married, you're the bride. Of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Church, you're the bride of Christ. And what does the bride get? Well, my bride, she married me, she didn't get a lot. But you know what? When when we get Jesus, we get a ton. Right? My wife, she's married. To, she, she's, she's, she's a part of the church, right? So she's part of that bride. She's ready. So she gets everything that, that God's got for her. On this earth, she got me. But in heaven, she's got everything. And as a matter of fact, on this earth, what did we say earlier in the scriptures? These things and greater will you do. Church, we need to walk in that. Don't let grace be only for you. Let grace be for the people around you. If you're walking in grace, you want them to be able to walk in grace. You want them to be able to walk in the fullness of joy. Praise God. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you this morning. We praise you for your spirit being in our midst this morning. We thank you for healing in our service this morning. We thank you for the lives that have been changed and the lives that have been touched. Thank you, Lord, for what you did yesterday in the prayer walk. We're going to give you glory and honor and praise for it today. And here's what I'm going to ask you while, while you're just taking a moment to pray between you and God. Is there anybody